First Peter chapter five. First uh, Peter five, and we're going to read. Let's what is six verses? Uh, yeah, six verses. We're going to read First Peter five, and we're going to read verses five to eleven. I'm going to read it out of two different translations here, not my normal NKJV. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it's the New King James Version. I'm going to read out of two other versions, the NIV and the ESV, the English Standard Version and the New International Version. So if you want to follow along and you have a phone or a tablet uh, nearby and you're following along or you want to read it or mark it later for reading, uh, the two I'm going to use today is the NIV and the ESV. I just like the way they rate, they say it. Uh, it's a little different. And so uh, we're going to use that. So 1 Peter 5 Verse 5 through 11, uh, first of all, in the NIV, and then we're going to read it again, uh, like I said before, in the ESV. So, uh, verse number 5 says, To the elders and the flock, in the same way you are, you who are younger, submit yourselves to elders, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now get this, verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. That's the key word there, that time, get that word time. Number 7, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I love that. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now that was the NIV, so we're going to switch over to the ESV. And it says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For the for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now notice who's writing this. We're going to get into this in just a few moments. Who's writing? This is Peter. This is not exactly the poster boy for humility. Um, and we'll go back to a little bit of why that's the case. We talked about it a little bit last week. He's not exactly the poster boy for humility. So when he's talking about being humble... He's talking about a lesson that came through a through you know the lesson the hard knocks. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that. The same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Notice that. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I came across this. Maybe some of you have seen this before. Uh, I don't, it's been out there for a while, but I came across it. I came across a little antidote that I thought was really quite interesting. I like, I'm always, I like little stories, little illustrations. Um, those of you that know me and know um, sort of my 
ministry style, preaching, teaching style. I like, I'm a visual kind of guy. So I use a lot of visual illustrations. Every once in a while, when I come across one that's really kind of grabs my attention, um, I pay attention to it. And this one really grabbed my attention. And it goes something like this, that uh, I want you, we, we don't have the ability, if I was, if we were together, you could probably, uh, we could do this better. So we can't. But uh, take a guess, if you would, of how much does this cup weigh? How much? Now, I did put water in it. You can see the water going back and forth. So it's not empty. It does have, it is, there is water to it. So take a guess, how much does this water weigh? How much does this cup weigh? Now, if we were somewhere visually, or somewhere together uh, when we're in the same room, not just visually, but together in the same room. I'm sure if given the opportunity, uh, we could have a lot of different guesses uh, based off of a lot of factors. And um, are we, you know, exactly what's all here? Um, we've got maybe, what, 12 ounces, 14 ounces, 16 ounces, 10 ounces, something of that nature. But really, in reality, the weight of this glass doesn't really matter. You see, if I take this glass and I hold it out, I can hold it for a few minutes and not really have any problems. I can hold it like this for a while and don't really feel any effect of this. I can even hold it a little farther out. There you go. Uh, I can hold it out a little farther and I can do this for a little while, and there's no real effect from it. I'm somewhat comfortable, and it's okay. But we all understand and know that if I held this cup out here for about an hour, that my arm is going to start to tire out some. Uh, it's going to start to grow weak, and I'm going to have to really focus. And it's going to take, right now, I'm not thinking about this. I'm just talking to you. I'm holding this cup out. I'm talking to you. Uh, there's no thought going into this. It's no big deal, right? It's, 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 I don't even, maybe it's in my subconscious because I'm still squeezing the cup. I know it's there. I haven't dropped it. So subconsciously, I know it's there, but I'm talking to you. I'm focused on you. But after a period of time, whatever that may be, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it might be, it's going to come a point in time for me to keep this cup up. I'm going to have to stop focusing on you and I'm going to have to focus on here because my arm is going to be screaming with fatigue. And if I desire to keep it up longer than that, it actually will get to the point where my arm might become completely useless. Where I could not, even with the greatest amount of focus and the great amount of determination and grit, come on, Joe, you can do it. I will not be able to keep this cup up. It will eventually get to the point where my arm cannot sustain these this cup anymore. The weight really doesn't matter. If it's this size or if I poured all the liquid out and it was smaller. My dad, who was uh, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, uh, told a story. Some of you have heard him tell the story. But he used to tell the story to us when we were kids about uh, the time when he would get a care package from home. And uh, at the time, he was a freshman at uh, the Naval Academy. They call that a plebe. And if you're a plebe, you are lower than dirt. So there's uh, dirt, and then six feet down under the dirt, there's a plebe. I mean, you are at the bottom. You have, you're just, 
you're, you are stepped on and pushed on. I mean, so you're at the bottom. And so he gets a care package from home, and I think it had some cookies or something in it, some goodies in it. And um, wanting to kind of partake in that, right when he got the care package, um, he, he's in his room, and there is an upperclassman, a senior, comes into his room. Um, and this, uh, and, and at the Naval Academy, if, a, if, if an upperclassman tells you to, you know, stand on your head, you don't say, well, I don't want to. If, if he tells you to go spin around in a circle and cluck like a chicken, uh, you're supposed to say, yeah, sir, yes, sir, and not ask questions. So if, if he, if whatever they say, so he comes in and he says, um, the rule was, and you know, this is how slick sometimes these uh, people can be. The rule was, as an upperclassman, you could not take, you could not give an order to a plebe to take a care package. So you couldn't say, hey, plebe, uh, give me the care package, and he'd have to say, sir, yes, sir. So you couldn't do that. So this guy knew that, but he wasn't dumb. So he said, hey, uh, right, you want to, um, want to, have a, a bet for that uh, for that uh, care package of yours. And so being an upperclassman, you really didn't get a chance to negotiate. You said, sir, yes, sir. He said, I bet you you can't hold this pencil out in front of you. You picked up a pencil. And he said, I bet you can't hold this pencil out in front of you for a minute. If you can't do it, then I get your care package. Well, sometimes we don't realize the end before the beginning, and so, uh, and also not having church choice, uh, my father said, sir, yes, sir, I, I'll take that. So he said, but before we begin, let's do some warm-up exercises. So he handed him a textbook, and he said, hold that textbook out, and he held that textbook out, and he held it out, and he said, keep holding it, and it got to the point where that textbook got so heavy that my father's arm dropped and he said, and then he went over and got a couple more books and he did this. And then finally he went over and got his rifle and he had that, he hold, and he, he did four or five different things. I don't remember all the specifics, but he did four or five different things. Uh, and each time holding it out. And when it got to the point where after all these different ex exercises of complete exhaustion, where his arm literally could not, he couldn't lift his arm anymore physically. His arm was completely done. He handed him the pencil and he said, okay, here, hold the pencil out. And obviously, after just a few seconds of holding the pencil, the pencil falls, loses a bet, bye-bye care package, bye-bye cookies. There was a, another little uh, thing I came across not too long ago. There's a man in India that has devoted to, uh, he, I believe, is he's Hindu. And so in in um, service to, um, to, to God in worship, he raised his right arm and he has not put his right arm down for, I don't even know how many years. You can Google this. You can go online and watch it. I'm not making it up. He's kept his arm up for, I don't know how many years. It's years to the point where his arm literally has become, uh, almost sort of like locked in, frozen, petrified in this position, this vertical position. It's wilted away. It's curled up. It looks disfigured, but he's kept it up. Um, I didn't get like that overnight, but after a period of time. Why do I say all these things? Because I want to talk to you about some things in your life today. And before you dismiss it, 
and say, well, that's not me. I want to challenge you back with the cup and with the pencil. Because we're going to talk about some things that you're, you have in your life right now. And if you're not careful, you're going to just completely check out and dismiss me because you're going to say, well, that's not me because I don't really have anything major in my life. I don't have anything big in my life. And so therefore, this is not for me. I'm sure this is for so-and-so. This is for that person, you know, the person that just lost a loved one or the person that just lost their job or the person that's going through a divorce or the person that's dealing with, you know, chaos in their life. But my life's okay. I've got decent allowance. I could be better. I wish I could go on vacation. I wish I had some money for a new car, better house, better clothes. Me and my husband's getting on my nerves. My wife's getting on my nerves. My kids are getting on my nerves. My parents, whatever. But overall, you have a decent life. So you dismiss it. Well, it's not for me. But can I challenge you with this today? It really doesn't matter the weight of the glass. It doesn't matter the weight of the pencil. Because here's the problem. There are things in our life, we carry them for a few moments, they're not a big deal. We carry them for a few days, they're wearying, but it's okay. But there comes a point in time if we carry these things for a longer, longer period of time, they become absolutely debilitating and in in the end can become absolutely devastating to who we are as individuals. They start off very light. They start off very manageable. They start off easy. They start off with sort of this, oh, I got this. I'm okay. I don't need anybody. I've got it. I can do this on my own. And if we're not careful, that can give us a false sense of security that we just continue to carry things to eventually to the point where uh, it all of our focus, all of our life is just on trying to keep certain things together no matter what their size is. And if we're not careful, I've watched how uh, a pencil of a situation can destroy someone's life. And you go, how in the world? You know, why in the world did that, what was that, was that situation so devastating to him or to her? Or to them. Why did that situation tear their marriage apart? Why did that situation destroy them? Why did that situation completely toss them? We're like, well, it was just a pencil. Yeah, but you don't realize that pencil came after a long, 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 long exercise of caring and caring and caring and caring. So by the time the pencil came, they were spent. They were emotionally spent. They were they were emotionally bankrupt. They were running on empty. And so they had nothing left when the pencil came and the pencil, it became the straw that broke the camel's back, right? So today I want to talk to you about the water in your glass because it doesn't matter if you're carrying a pebble, a rock, a stone, or a boulder. It doesn't matter. Today it's not about the size of what you're carrying. It's about what you're carrying, period. We are ca- we categorize things, right? We are, we are, we are built you know, it, you know, the condition. You know, suck it up, boy. It's not that big of a deal. We're, we're, we're you know, you suck it up, man. You gotta suck it up. Just suck it up. You, just not a big deal. And I'm not saying we all walk around with this sort of poor me mentality that every time we have a stub toe, it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Some, your life, life, life. Sometimes you, you have to just, you have to press through, push forward, press towards the mark, as Paul said. But there comes a point in time where the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
We are really good at dealing with the big things. I mean, come on. Right now, if my, if, you know, I'm sitting here in my house. If my house burned down, sitting here, oh, of course. I mean, I was like, oh, God, I can't do this without you. I've lost my house. I need you, God. Help me with this because it's a big thing. But if I'm dealing with some fear, some anxiety, some questions, small things that are, I, I, I can hold them. I don't even bother to talk to him. I don't even bother to deal with him because they're manageable. But I'm telling you today, it's the small things that actually end up becoming the greatest detriment to us as in our walk with God and us as human beings. Even the big things we 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 somehow know intuitively for most of us, we know we can't make it through the big things. We know. The big things are devastating. They're debilitating. If I said to you right now, can you lift up this, you know, if I, if I handed you a uh, a 75 pound weight right now, said, can you hold this out there? And you'd be like, uh, no, I can't, no, I can't do that. You, if you, I mean, I can't, it's too heavy. We instinctively, we all instinctively know what's too heavy. We can't lift. But the problem is the most dangerous thing is when we think we have certain things that we can carry and we're in control. And that's what we want to talk about for the next few minutes. Let's go back if we can to scripture. We read first Peter chapter five and uh, we read sort of some sequential things that I want to look at today because sometimes um, we have a tendency to look at the Bible like a fortune cookie, right? My kids, every once in a while, for some reason, they like Panda Express. If you like Panda Express, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his grace shine down upon you. But Panda Express I mean, it's just, God bless them. We'll get it for them every once in a while because it's a treat. They like it. But man, I don't know. So anyways, but part of the, the allure for them, for Panda Express, is the fact that Panda Express, you get the little fortune cookies at the end. And they think it's hilarious because they all want to pop it open and see. And I know someone just probably said, oh, you can't let them read fortune cookies. It's bad. We're not believing the fortune cookies are true, okay? It's fun. It's a joke. So they like to pop up with the fortune cookies and they read it. And and my son, who's eight years old, he'll pop it open, he'll read it. And he sometimes doesn't get the the wisdom coming from the fortune cookie. But it's fun for them and they, they get to laugh and joke and, and, and giggle with each other who got the who whose cookie had the better saying in it. But sometimes if we're not careful, we look at the Bible like that, right? We look at the Bible as a fortune cookie. Where we need something good. We need something to help us. We need something to inspire us. And therefore, we go to the scripture. We crack open our cookie and we read a statement out of it. And voila, wow, inspiration. Um, this is great. Uh, this is awesome. Um, and we kind of leave it at that. But to know that the Bible was not written as a series of independent sentences. That the Bible was written and a lot of these things that we are trying to apply in our life are not single standalone principles that can only be applied in a vacuum. But usually if we go back and we look at scripture that there are certain things within these scriptures 
that have to be followed. There are conditions that have to be met, and there is sequence that has to be followed. And so if there's not proper sequence and there's not conditions met, then the result will not be what we want it to be. And then we'll question the authenticity and the validity of the Bible because it's like, well, it doesn't work. Look at it. I tried it. It didn't work. No, you tried the fortune cookie approach but you didn't try the biblical approach. And there's too much in the world we live in today, there's too much fortune cookie Christianity. And what I mean by that, and I'm not knocking it here, because there is some benefit to it, but the Christian bookshop, and we don't have many Christian bookshops now, most of them are shut down, but I remember, you know, Years ago, Christian Bookshop was the place you went. And, you know, they had pictures on the wall, things you could decorate your house with. And Hobby Lobby now today has it. Hobby Lobby, if you ever go to Hobby Lobby, and um, Hobby Lobby is not a sponsor of Antioch West Virtual, so or I, I, I don't get anything from this. But, you know, Hobby Lobby is a Christian-based company. And so you go to Hobby Lobby, they've got a bunch of awesome, beautiful, uh, scripted things that you can um um, get scriptures and, and, and biblical stuff on it. And it's really cool. And in fact, behind me today, these letters that are behind me, they came from Hobby Lobby. And this right here, which I don't actually think anyone can read, but it says, until God opens the next door, praise him in the hallway. Love that. Till God opens the next door, praise him in the hallway. I think that came from Hobby Lobby as well. They're really cool things. The problem with, with this mentality is, if we're not careful, we think that's really what the Bible is about. The Bible is these is a collection of series, and a lot of us. On a side note, again, um, uh, we we uh, a lot of you may have a single devotional. I remember when I was a kid, my mom had this little box, and it had little pieces of paper that stuck out, and and it had 365 little slips of paper. They're like this big, and every day you'd go by the box, and you'd pull, you're supposed to pull one out. And read it, and that was a scripture for today. And you know, they were, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And some of you may have that. You may have, you know, I, on my Bible app, uh, I've got U version. Uh, I use U version, it's one of the Bible apps I have. And every day, U version sends me the verse of the day. And you know what? There have been times where that verse of the day spoke directly to me. And God's used the verse of the day to speak to me. That's great. But the problem with that is this is that. If we're not careful, and I'm trying to make a point here because we're going to get into the depth of this for just a few moments here, and you're going to need to understand this principle. If we're not careful, then that kind of mentality creeps into our biblical understanding, and we get the fortune, call it, I'm going to call it fortune cookie Christianity. That our Christian walk and our Christian journey is based off these single sentence platitudes that we're all trying to live by and we're quoting, we're speaking, and we're trying to apply them in this sort of spiritual vacuum that we think we've created and we can just pick off, pick off these sayings off the shelf as needed. Well, I'm going through this. So, but you know, I need, I need God, you know, God, I'm really going through some things right now. Well, God, my God shall supply all the needs according to his riches and glory and, uh, be anxious for nothing, but everything give thanks. And all these things, we start pulling these, uh, pulling these scriptures off the wall like we just need them. And yes, is there power in that? 100%. If you do that, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not telling you to stop doing that. My God, the Word of God is life. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is a seed planted in our heart that brings forth fruit. Nothing is wrong with that. The problem, though, that we run into, and I don't know why I'm on this today, but it's fun. I'm having fun. The problem we run into is that if we're not careful, there are certain scriptures that we pull out of 
out of out of the Bible and put it in our little fortune cookie that when we read it, we go, okay, well, I get it. But then we don't understand the sequence or the prerequisites that must come with that in order for it to work. So let's go to Peter 9 for a second, and Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, and let's look at a couple of things that are great fortune cookie scriptures. For example, one that I have... Uh, um, um, uh, it's heard before that resist the devil, he will flee. Verse 9, resist him, standing firm in faith. So, you know, that's a cookie, right? Break open the cookie. Resist the devil, stand firm in faith. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to stand firm in faith. I'm going to resist the devil. Okay. But I'm letting a lot of you are thinking you're resisting, but it's not working out too well, is it? I mean, you're resisting, but. It doesn't feel like there's much headway being made. So then you question, well, you know, I guess there's no power. There's no power. The devil, and we get convinced the devil. And I talked about this last Tuesday, right uh, on um, Tuesday Talks. You need to go back and watch it. I'm telling you. I talked about the difference between power and authority. And so if we're not careful, we take verse number nine, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Good fortune cookie. We try to resist the devil, but it doesn't work. And so we are convinced the devil has a lot more power than he than we think he does. We think he's all powerful. We're just this little petty, poor Christian that's just hoping to find the scraps off the table of our big mean God up there who's letting us go through suffering. Or we back up, right? It says, be alert, sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's it. Today I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be sober-minded. I'm going to look around. That old devil's coming. I found it to be funny. Paul used, or Peter used the term, the devil's like a roaring lion. Uh, apparently, he never had kids. Because uh, if you ever dealt with kids in their toddler years, I don't know if he would have used the lion after all. We were laughing and joking. My wife and I were laughing and joking the other day. You know, our kids are getting old now. We're still reminiscing about some things when they were younger. We're like, how, how in the world did we navigate some of that stuff? I mean, so if you're a parent of a toddler, it does get better. It does. Um, at least the sleep part does. <laughs> but uh, he says, you know, the devil's roaring around like a, sneaking around like a roaring lion. He's prowling on the prowl. He's got to be sober-minded. So I'm like, okay. What does that mean? I don't know what that means, but I'm going to be looking. Now I'm looking for the devil under every rock. Is that the devil? Is this the devil? Ooh, is this the devil? So I go to the, I go to my, I go to work, right? And my boss is, is mean to me. He's, the boss is on me today. And I'm like, that's it. The devil's a roaring lying. And then the fact that I'm just a bad employee, I'm lazy, I'm not doing my job. All of a sudden now I've made everything the devil. Or I'm driving down the road. I run out of gas on the way to work. I'm late to work. I'm out of gas. I said, the devil is a roaring lion because I'm out of gas. No, there's no devil involved. You just didn't fill up the tank after it's been on E for three days. Or you're driving along the road and you pop a tire. Uh, The devil is against me. The devil is fine. No, you know what? You just ran over a nail. Okay. Not too long ago, uh, some of you know this story, but uh, in the house we were living at the time, um, our driveway, for some reason beyond my mental capacity to understand, when they built the driveway, they didn't build it big enough for two cars. They built it big enough for about a car and a third. I don't know why. This was the great enigma of the construction project of our previous house. Why in the world, when they designed the house, they go, look, a single car driveway, okay, 
a two-car garage, a two-car driveway is way too big. Let's make it about a car and a third. I don't know what genius decided that was a good idea. But anyways, that created a little bit of a predicament. And the predicament was I had a my car set here and my wife's car set inside the drive and set inside the garage. But because of this one and three quarter width uh, driveway, if you're backing out of the garage, if you weren't paying attention, you had to navigate around. You had to, you had to kind of swerve around the car. Well, for the most part, we lived there for six years. We did a pretty good job at navigating this sort of annoyance. However, one particular day, a couple of years back, those of you that are part of Antioch West, you know exactly, you, you heard me tell this story. Uh, I was in a hurry. I don't know what was going on. Um, I just checked out for a second and I just got into the car. It was my wife's van backing up and I didn't do the little shimmy around. And we're, you know, kids are in the car, wife's in the car, back, 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 and wham! And um, I, in one swoop, wrecked both of our vehicles. Yep, single-handedly, that would be me. I actually just wrecked both vehicles. I did not handle it that well, I will tell you. I did not handle it well. I did not find my worship uh, quite there. Uh, I did not break out in song. Um, I did not start dancing before the throne. I was a little... Um, a little, uh, a little frustrated, I must say. Um, but in the end, someone said, you know, that devil, boy, that devil, he just moved that car right in there and just made you back in. And I'm like, the devil didn't make do they do that. I backed into my, my car cause I wasn't paying attention. Wasn't the devil that caused me to be a bad driver. It was me. But we have to understand that the devil is a roaring lion. One of the things I said this I was talking the other day to somebody and I said, you know, one of the things that really bothers me about modern day Christianity is we've removed the devil out of the equation because modern Christianity is about, you know, becoming a better person and God wants you to be this and God's going to bless you and God's going to do this and all that. And we forget there's something fundamental about all this and that there is an adversary and he is out to destroy you. In fact, I have a birthmark somewhere in the back of my head. I don't know where it is anymore. We were talking the other day. My son was fascinated about the birthmarks. For some reason, he was trying to discover who all had birthmarks in our family. For some reason, he the birthmark thing came to, to came to life in him. And you know what? I do believe all Christians have a birthmark when you are born again. But that birthmark is the shape of a bullseye. When you get born again, you get a birthmark, but it's a bullseye. And I'm telling you... For the rest of your existence, the devil wants to shoot at that bullseye. Because you do have an enemy. He is the devil. He is a lion. And he's out to destroy you. And so the fortune cookie says, be sober-minded. But then the problem with that is there are some prerequisites to get there. So you can't resist the devil and defeat him. You can't walk around in faith and resist the devil. If you don't understand that the devil is out to destroy you. He is a roaring like lion seeking whom he may devour. But you can't get to there and be sober minded and vigilant if you haven't taken some steps. So let's look at some of those steps because we just read. We said it. Big fortune cookie verse here, folks. Everybody's quoted it. Be anxious 
cast all your anxieties. I love why Peter used the word anxiety. Cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That's it. Okay, I'm doing it. Here is my anxiety. I'm giving it to you. And it just seems like I'm bouncing a ball off a concrete ceiling of heaven because I'm giving him anxiety, but it's coming back to me. And I'm like, see, it doesn't work. I've talked to people. I've shared with people. I do this. My wife and I have lived this way now for a number of years. It's something that we try to do every day. Not always to the best, not always the way it needs to be. There's sometimes that our humanity gets the best of us. But we try to live this way. We cast our cares upon him. But the problem is there's a prerequisite to even that. Let's read that. Because he said, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. This is really where all of this started it starts with that single word to do this first and foremost before we even get anywhere else humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of god later on james says in his book that god gives grace to the humble we resist the proud but gives grace to the humble notice this god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble Humble yourselves, therefore, under the God, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. This is where it's got to start. Before we get to the next verse of casting all of your anxiety, casting all of your cares upon Him because He cares for you, if you don't start there, and you got to realize who's writing this verse. Now we got all the way here. We're going to get to it. Now we've kind of built this platform to understand how we got here. Who's writing this? This is being written by the guy who half the time couldn't get it right. This was the guy we talked about last week. Fell asleep three times when Jesus was in the garden praying before his crucifixion. Fell asleep. This was the guy that caught off the ear of the, of the, of the guard and Jesus is like, dude, put the sword away. Not the time for that. This is the guy that said, I'll never deny you. And then cockle doodle doo, cockle doodle doo. This is that guy. This is the guy that just didn't get it right half the time. This is the guy that when Jesus said, you know, I'm going, I'm, 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 I'm not going to hear me be, you know, I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here. And he's like, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. And Jesus wheeled it on him, put his finger in his face and said, get thee behind me, Satan. That's this guy. That's who we're talking about here. So when he says, humble yourself, this is a guy that had to go from here who went down beneath rock bottom. There he is here, and there's rock bottom, and then if you dig about another 60 miles, there you'll find Peter sitting on a stump because that's where he was after his complete and utter train wreck of falling asleep three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, completely just baffled by the fact that Jesus is over there dying, blood dripping out of him like great swaps of blood. And Peter over there can't even stay awake. And Jesus said, you can't even stay awake with me for an hour. Come on, man. Seriously? Dude, you've been with me for three years. You hear me over there in agony, and you can't stay awake for 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 an hour. And then comes back, and they're falling asleep again. Comes back, they fall asleep again. And he says, okay, it's enough. This is enough. You would think that would have been, okay, all right, Peter, that's enough. You learned your lesson. But then it wasn't too long after that. We find Peter denying him once, denying him twice, denying him three times. This is two massive failures right back to back that are just crushing. But it did something in Peter. It brought him to a place of dying out. It brought him to a place of humility where he now 
years later, can write this just staggering verse of Scripture. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He can exalt you in due time. This is a guy that went from that place to standing on the day of Pentecost to looking at a crowd of 3,000 and telling them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the power of God fell on that place. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were baptized. And the birth of the New Testament church happened there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 with Peter being at the spearhead of that, the same guy that had fallen asleep, the same guy that denied, because of the place he had found of humility, then at due season he was exalted. We're trying to get to the exalted without going through the humility. humility. Because here's why. Here's why this is so important. Because we're going to get to this in a moment. and Again, we're not going to be all day, so just roll with me. Here's why this is important. Because we all understand the need for verse number 7. Every one of us in here is dealing with something in our life that we can relate to with verse number 7. Cast all of your cares. Cast all of your anxiety. Cast all of this stuff on Him because He cares for you. We all understand that. But the problem with this is, this is the prerequisite in verse 6. So before we get to verse 7, because here's the problem. If you go and you apply verse 7 in your life without first taking the step in verse 6, then ultimately verse 7 is not going to work for you. Here's why. Because if you don't deal with the pride, you'll never get released of the cares. Because it's the pride that's carrying the care. You'll never get rid of the anxiety. You'll never get rid of the fear. You'll never get rid of the worry if you don't deal with the pride that's carrying it. So to address the issue of casting my cares on Him, I've got to go back and I've got to see what is causing me to carry these things in the first place. And I've got to look at it and realize it's pride that's carrying these things. I, I've, I've grown a lot. For some of you know this. I have grown a lot over the years. But in the beginning of my life, I was a little bit of a picky eater. I, I have expanded my palate. Thank you for praying for me. But I was a little bit of a picky eater. And so there were certain things I just didn't like. And um, I wasn't the greatest at adapting to trying new things. I've gotten a lot better. I mean, I've eaten everything from reindeer to goat stew in a foreign country cooked out of a big pot in the middle of nowhere to jellyfish to... I mean, I've expanded my palate, okay? All right? So I I earned my merit badge, so I have moved forward. But I wasn't always quite that way. And I'm not a big fan of... uh, I know some of you probably about to think I'm just, I'm lost and going to hell for this, but I'm not a big fan of chunky tomatoes. I don't really like, I don't mind tomato sauce, like I love spaghetti, I love Italian, so I like the, I like the, the, um, I like the sauce, but I'm not a big fan of chunky tomatoes or whole tomatoes to begin with. So we're at this particular pizza place, 
uh, at the time. I forgot the name of it. I try to remember what it was. It was like this brick oven pizza place. And um, it was supposed to be really good and recommended it to us. And um, so I ordered a pizza. And I love pizza. Pizza's maybe my favorite food. I love pizza. And uh, I know pizza has red tomato sauce. I get it. I know. But okay, I, I get it. Just bear with me. So they brought the pizza out. In this particular place, they didn't use red sauce. They used the actual tomato sliced. So I looked down at this this tomato, this pizza. It was a tomato, actually. This pizza, and you had these little circle, individual circles of the sliced tomato. And I'm like, I don't want to eat this. This is gross. You know, and I get the logic, right? Well, it's tomatoes. It's just not mashed up. It wasn't tomato sauce. It was half. It was tomatoes. I don't eat tomatoes. I eat tomato sauce, but I don't eat tomatoes. And I, I remember saying to the waiter, I mean, you know, you guys, is can I get some sauce? They're like, well, we don't do our pizzas like that here. Our pizzas are very unique, and they have the tomatoes on them. And I'm like, okay. So the problem I ran into is I could not get a pizza. Without the circle tomatoes on it. That was the problem. That's the issue. So in order to get the in order to get rid of the circle tomatoes, I'd have to throw out the whole pizza. Here's the problem. Pride, we're trying to get rid of the circle tomatoes, which is our anxiety. But pride is the pizza that it's sitting on. You can't separate the two. So a lot of you are taking that verse to heart and says, okay, cast my cares upon him. He cares for me. So therefore to God, I give you all these things. Here it is. I give it to you. And we go through the protocol. We say all the right things. We speak all the right words. And then next thing you know, we don't feel squat. And we're like, this doesn't work. See, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Because we haven't addressed the pride in which it's Writing on. We haven't addressed the pride that the anxiety is being carried by. Notice this. I saw this today. I thought it was quite interesting. What is the letter in the middle of the word anxiety? I'll give you a minute there. The letter in the middle of the word anxiety is the letter I. I. At the heart of this. So notice this. We're trying to get rid of anxiety. And we ask God to take it away. And God says, I'm not going to take the anxiety away until you put away the pride that carries it. Wow. Wait a minute. This puts a whole new spin on it, right? Because uh, it's the pride that even gives me the thought that I can carry something no matter the size. little glass of water, I can do it. Pride, I, I. It's not a big deal. It gets to the point where, oh, it's so weary, it's so tiring. Oh, God, take this from me. Here it is, God. I cast this on you. And God's like, I'm not taking it. He'd be like, but God, your word says that I cast my my cares upon you because you can. you got to get the fake crying in there. That really makes God listen to you. So if you ever really want God to listen to you, you got to fake cry. Trust me, I've heard it. I've been around a while. Oh, God, here's my anxiety. I give it to you, God. Here it is. Take it. God, 
take it. Um, but you're worried. And then we pull out the big guns, right? Oh, I love this. It doesn't work, but man, do we ever try it. We pull it. God, your word says that I should cast my anxieties upon you because you care for me. And God, I give you all of them caring. Here it is, God. Here it is, God. I give it to you. And God's like, no, I'm not taking it. But God, your word says, here it is. Nope, I'm not taking it. And then we get mad and we get offended with God and we go, it doesn't work. See, it's wrong. It doesn't work. You know why it's not working? Because you're trying to navigate around the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is your pride because it was your pride that made you think you could carry it in the first place. Woo! Trying to get not get excited today. Got to back it down. So you know what you're really telling God is you're telling God, here, take it. I can't carry it anymore and I need a rest. So if you take it while I get some strength, I'll take it back from you when, when I'm okay. So okay, God, here it is. I cast my anxieties on you and God takes it and you're like, oh boy. All right, I got to get some blood flowing back in my limbs here. Shake it out, shake it out, shake it out, shake it out, shake it out. Okay, thank you God for that break. I appreciate that. Now I got it. Huh? Woo! I know I'm not, I don't see anybody, but I know that's hitting somebody hard there for a second. Somebody, you know exactly, suddenly the bells are going off in your head. You're like, uh-oh, now I realize why it's not working. Because you're not really trying to get God to carry it. You're just trying to give God to give you a little break while you recover so that you can go back to controlling it when you get a little strength. Oh God, I need you, Lord, take it from me. And next thing you know, he takes it. We're like, all right, all right. I get a little massage in my shoulders, get a little, you know, get the lactic acid out of my muscles. Come on, shake it off, shake it off. All right, I got it. All right, God, thank you for that. Appreciate it. I got it. Oh, you know what we do? You know, Sunday morning wakes up. Sunday morning, it's time to get up for Jesus. Here you go, Sunday morning. God, we give it all to you. We give it all to you Sunday morning, and we're like, woo, Sunday is great. I get a break because it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's Sunday. It's the day of Jesus carrying my cup. He's got my cup. I'm like, Sunday's great. Woo! Like, all right, because I know Monday's coming. All right, Monday, Sunday's done. That was his day. Monday's my day. Okay, Lord, thank you for the break. I got this. Monday, we're like, all right, we got it. It's not bad. Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, got to get a little massage here. A little massage in the deltoids, getting a little heavy. Thursday, start to get a little heavy. Thursday evening, it's tough, and we call somebody. Oh, oh, oh I need I just need some encouragement. I'm just going through it. And they come over and they give us a little hand on the elbow. Hold it up a little bit. It's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister, for helping me today. Because I've been going through so much. And I just am so glad I've got brothers and sisters and God that can help me carry this. And the whole time, God's up there going, are we serious? Is this really the way it is? And Friday comes and it's starting to weary again. Saturday comes, but you know, Saturday's here. We can barely even lift it, but I know Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming and Sunday comes and we're like, whoo, I made it to Sunday. Whoo, I made it Sunday. Thank God. I get some feeling back in my arm. I get some blood in my arm. All right, God, it's your day. It's yours to carry. I can't carry it. Thank God. Here it is, Lord. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. I worship you. You're awesome, God. Can't live without you. Thank you for blood in my arm today. Thank you for putting feeling back in my arm. All right. Thank you, Lord. Give me grace to know. Uh, Lord, I receive your grace for Monday because I know Monday's coming. I got to pick this cup back up. And we're like, okay, Monday here. We're going to do this again. 
And we live that way week after week after week. And so the problem with that is, guess what happens? What's the next verse after verse 7? The next verse after verse 8 says, the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to destroy you. And you, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard. But you can't be on guard when all of your focus is on just absolutely doing everything you can to keep this cup from falling because everything in your body is screaming with pain and and, and fatigue, but you're focusing. So you're over here looking at your problem and the devil's over there working around on, on as a lion ready to just destroy you. And so what do we do? We give people coping mechanisms. We talk about God wants you to be a good person. God's you're blessed and highly favored and all that stuff. Not, it's not knocking that. But we don't really teach people how to put the cup down and let God be the one that's the source of their life. We just tell people how to, I'm going to use this, I got this from this morning, how to prop up your arm. Hey, come to this church. We're going to teach you how to prop up your arm. Hey, you know, we're, we're a church. We love everybody. We just know how to help people prop their arms up. Not knocking any of that. But the problem with that is if we're not addressing the pride, if we're not getting to the point where we realize He's God, I'm not. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that we have to understand that He is God and I'm not. I have to understand the Lordship of Christ, that He is in control and I am not. That I have to be submitted to Him. I'll never be able to get to the point where I can lay and cast my cares upon Him because my pride is too busy trying to show the world that I can do that. And if that's the case, then I've got this devil over here that's a roaring lion and he is literally just barking out at me and I have no ability to resist him because I'm just too busy trying to 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 survive with this cup that I'm carrying and then the bible says that we are more than overcomers right we're conquerors we're more than conquerors we're overcomers we're supposed to live triumphantly we're like baloney to all that I'm just trying to survive the day to make it back to my pillow at night because I am absolutely overwhelmed and all of it is because I'm not dealing with my pride. Because I want to show the world I can do it. Or maybe because I've been hurt. I don't trust anybody to do it. So I, it's both ways. You know, pride is not always packaged as puffed up chest walking around going, I can do this, I'm in charge. That's not always pride. Pride is sometimes because we've been hurt, we're in control. We don't let go. We don't trust. We hold on to. Because we know if we can control, which is obviously the greatest deception of all time that youth we think we can control anything but we try anyways we try to control and we think because we can be in control that that can protect us and so our pride says you've hurt me once shame on you but if you hurt me twice shame on me so i'm not going to let you do this again so then we guard we protect we hold on to we don't want anybody to care because we've been hurt so now we're carrying these things and we don't call it pride we call it survival. We don't call it pride. We call it managing our surroundings. We don't call it pride. We call it necessary. This is what I have to do to survive. I'm just, I'm, I just, how about this? Wait, we package it. Well, I'm just a person who likes things a certain way. Well, I'm just a person who likes, you know, I, I just, I'm a person who, who, who really, I'm just a, I'm just, how about this, right? This is, this is, this is actually something we wear as a badge of honor, right? I'm just a very independent, self-sufficient person. You know, I've, I've learned to be independent, self-sufficient. That's a big, fancy way of saying I'm just, I'm a very prideful person. But I don't want to admit it. I 
just, I'm, I'm independent. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. I, I, I am. I've got this. It's not pride. I know God. I, I need Jesus, but you know, I'm really an independent person. But I, but I do need him. But, but I'm an independent person. That's my person. That's my personality. That's my nature. I'm that kind of, I'm not a needy person. I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm a self-sufficient, you know, I'm a, I'm a self-made man, as they, as they call it, right? I'm a self-made man. Yeah, just capital P, capital R, capital I, capital D, capital E. Pride. So we're trying to view verse 7 and verse 8 without addressing verse 6, which is the humility that comes. Peter learned to cast all of his anxieties. He said, what What anxiety did Peter have? Well, I don't know. How about the fact that everything they do was under the guides and watch of Rome, that everything they did, they took their life in their hand to the point that in the end it cost Peter his life. The legend says he was crucified upside down. So I think he had some anxiety. He had some fear. He had some things he was dealing with, no doubt. But you know what? The Peter of the Gospels wanted to show everybody, I've got this. The Peter of the Gospels said, God, I, I, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I, I'm never going to leave you. I'll be here with you forever. Just need a nap and I'll be good. Just, how about two naps? Okay, you know, it's been a long night, three naps, three naps, and, and I'm good. I'm never going to deny you. And, uh, well, okay, I, I had to tell that girl that I didn't know you because, you know, it's just it wasn't the right time to reveal who I was. Well, you know, I, I denied you twice, but it, it was needed. I was trying to protect you. I didn't want people to realize we were together three times. Okay. That Peter was a prideful man. That Peter, that that Peter was someone of great pride. Did he have some things? Yeah, Peter walked on water. He did some awesome things. He did. He experienced some awesome things, but that pride kept biting him, biting him, biting him. And he's now, years later, looking back, and he says, humble yourselves. Trust me on this. I'm a guy who knows what I'm talking about. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. I didn't do it. There were too many times where my pride got the best of me. I'm the guy who fell asleep in the garden. I'm the guy that denied Christ at the moment of his greatest passion and suffering. But trust me, humble yourself. Because if you can humble yourself, here's the benefit. You can cast all of the stuff you're carrying on him because he cares for you. And if you do that, it frees up your mind so that you can be sober, you can be watchful, so that when the devil comes around prowling in your life, you can resist him. You don't have to deal with the attacks of fear, the attacks of Satan, the attacks on your marriage, the attack on your family, the attack on your health, all the things the devil tries to do to destroy you. You don't have to deal with those things because you've done the steps necessary to be watchful and sober and vigilant. You've humbled yourself. You've become submitted to Jesus Christ in your heart. You've come to the point where you now are letting him be the supreme Lord of your life. You've come under the mighty hand of God. You've given all of your cares on him because you realize he cares for you. You've passed it all to him. So that now you can be a watchful and vigilant person. This is what God's trying to get someone to do today. There's more here. I could get into more. But I feel like the Lord's telling me this is to stop. Because I think some of you have heard 
what Jesus is trying to say to you today. And that is this. It doesn't matter the weight or the size of what you're carrying today. It could be a boulder. It could be a stone. It could be a rock. It could be a pebble. It doesn't matter the size and it really doesn't matter the weight. The fact is, who's carrying it is what matters. And before you get into the process of casting your care upon him because he cares for you, you first have to address the pride that's carrying it. You first have to address the pride that's carrying it. I don't care how you wrap it up. I don't care how you justify it. I don't care how... um, Um, what's what's the best way um, to say this? Um, I, I don't care how you spin it. In the end, it's bride. And God wants you to let go of the pride so that you can finally cast upon Him because He cares for you. Would you be willing today to take a moment wherever you are And would you be willing to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God? And maybe for some of you that needs to be repentance, where you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for trying to be the one who was in charge. I'm sorry for being the one who took over. I'm sorry for trying to be the one who told you how to run my life. I'm sorry for that. God, I submit myself to you. Submit myself to you today. I bring myself under the mighty hand. I put myself under you. Submit to you today. Once you begin to do that, then casting your cares upon him becomes significantly easier because then there's no more pride. And the humility that that brings causes you to realize it doesn't matter if it's a pebble, a rock, a stone, or a boulder. You can't carry any of it. Because he's ultimately the one who's in charge of it all. Are you waiting down today? Got a lot of stuff on your mind? Just saying, you know, well, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through. You, it's, it's a lot of stuff. I'm dealing with a lot of stuff right now. We got all this stuff going on in the world, and I've got my own personal problems. It's just a tough time right now. Give me a break. No, 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 no. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. God wants to help you today. God wants to help you. He wants to. He wants to bring a peace and a joy in your life, but he cannot bypass the pride. No matter what you label it as, it's pride. But if you would humble yourself, God can completely carry that. He can bring you peace and joy. You're tired of carrying that stuff? You're tired of being feeling the way you are? You're tired of dealing with weariness and, and being overwhelmed and feeling like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the end of the day? If that's the way you are, there's an answer. The answer is through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you today. I know I've obeyed you, spoken what you've given me to speak. I've tried not to add to or take from those things today. And Lord, I pray today that you would shine your light upon our heart today and to reveal to each one of us 
the pride that we've allowed to live in our heart. Not so that you can humiliate us or punish us, but that you can reveal it so that we can address it, find a place, an altar of humility. And once we find that altar of humility, then it leads us to such a wonderful and beautiful place with you. A place of peace and a place of joy, a place of righteousness, a place of of of. of wonderful connection and relationship with you. Forgive us for our pride today, God. Forgive us of our justifying our pride. Forgive us, God, that we've justified our pride and we've, we've, we've called it everything other than what it is. But Lord, today we acknowledge that we have got pride in us that needs to be dealt with. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would you would, you would open our eyes to a spirit of revelation that we can see the pride in our heart and that we would receive your grace to find a, a, an altar of humility in you to realize, God, that without you we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible in Jesus' name. Can I challenge you today? Don't just dismiss this and go on. Would you take a moment now before you turn something else on or you go to your life group or you move on with your day, would you take a moment and let the Spirit of God that's right now resting where you are, let the Spirit of God turn a flashlight on your heart and say, my son, my daughter, can I just show you the pride, not so that I can humiliate you or punish you, because I want to carry your anxiety. I want to carry your fears. I want to carry the weights you're carrying, but I can't take it from you until you deal with the pride that's, that keeps it connected to you. Can you do that today? Thank you today for being a part, but would you just not dismiss this so quickly, take a moment and just let God continue to talk to your heart. He's talking. God's always talking. The question is, are you listening? God bless you.